welcome everybody to our Great Data Minds podcast series. My name is Kalia Garrido, and I am very excited today to have Mike Lampa on the line with us. Mike is one of our advisors at Great Data Minds, and today he's going to discuss a revolutionary concept for data practices, which is the Scaled Agile Framework. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks, Kalia. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have this conversation. So, I mean, I know you've been a pioneer in the data and analytics solution space for many years, and you have particularly been adept at introducing new innovative approaches um, to, you know, kind of some enterprise solutions or systems that are set up there. Now, last time we spoke, you had something even more brand new that you were really excited about. Can you uh, share a little bit with me and with the listeners about what that is? Yeah, well, in short, the uh, exposure I recently got to the Scaled Agile Framework really just made a light bulb go off in my head that it's going to address the one key thing we have left to do to really get our analytics uh, programs on the mainstream as a true value stream to the organization that provides continuous and perpetual differentiation and, and competitive advantage. Awesome. So I know this is SAFE. Like SAFE is sort of the, it's the, it's the acronym for this. Can you explain a little bit um, about the history of SAFE and how you came to know about this methodology? Yeah, so SAFE is, it stands for the Scaled Agile Framework. Um, um, and it was founded by Dean Levenwell back in 2011. 1.0 was released. Uh, since then, there's been five major releases. We're currently on 4.6. The fundamental objective of SAFE is to provide additional value to the industry to create better systems, better business outcomes, and better daily lives for the people who build those systems. And, and the core belief is build better software and systems that make a world a better place, which is you know pretty aspirational. But as you get into the details, it's quite motivating. Today, there's over 250 scaled agile partners implementing the SAFE framework uh, in almost every region of the world across a wide range of industries. Uh, there's scores of case studies that have been done uh, and published on the Scaled Agile Framework website uh, from enterprises large and small reporting really impressive improvements. On average, across these hundreds of companies, they're reporting a 20, 20 to 50% increase in true productivity. Uh, wow. uh, 25 to 75% improvement in quality. Of, of the software that gets delivered, 30 to 75% faster time to market. And then the last one that's also really cool, and I love this about SAFE, is you know, the focus on the people, a 10 to 50% increase in engagement and employee job satisfaction. Wow. Those yeah. are some really bold numbers. Yeah, they're, and, and they're real. I mean, they're yeah. documented, and there's case studies and, and short stories that back them all up. Um, really impressive. Okay, so when we look at it from sort of a top-down level, like SAFE is a way of approaching software development, and what you're sort of championing now is that we should also be applying this to analytics, like really turning analytics into a product. Mm -hmm. Yep, and if I could, let me just give you a little bit of background on some of the fundamentals of SAFE. Right? Sure. So there's five core competencies of a lean enterprise, which is what SAFE is trying to in engender. Uh, the first is a lean, agile leadership. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But it, the key is for the leadership to really demonstrate and embrace lean, agile mindset. And then the next core competency is, is building teams and technical agility, that teams and technologies that embrace agility so that we're building, continuously building in quality at every step. We're doing behavioral-driven development. We're doing agile testing, a test-driven development, and so much more. The next piece is implementing a 
DevOps and release on demand approach so that I get a continuous delivery pipeline. Every time something is ready and validated, I can push it and make it ready for deployment as soon as within a week, typically every two weeks, you know, following the agile kind of mindset. Then as the company grows and they have large, complex solutions, uh, there's another competency that puts a business solutions and lean systems engineering discipline over the top of these agile teams. Um, and the fifth core competency is changing the way you manage the portfolio and your budgeting process to get away from the pitfalls of uh, traditional budgeting. So those are the five competencies. There's three bodies of knowledge that makes up the SAFE program and makes it uh, gives it breadth and depth and also enables scale. The first is agile development principles and, and body of knowledge, lean product development. So you're moving to a product mindset and getting away from a project mindset, and then applying a systems thinking approach for everything you do. Every time you're making a decision, you're looking at the impact across the entire system. There's four key elements at the core that the leadership drives, which is creating alignment across the entire enterprise so that everybody is keeping pace with the fast disruptive changes in the market, having a relentless focus on built-in quality at every step, making sure that there's transparency across the enterprise. You can't fix a secret. Software development is real hard and things don't work out as planned always. So you have to have an openness and, and let the facts come out so that you can make the proper decisions. And that goes across, everybody has ownership in openness. Um, and then the final thing is uh, program execution, making sure you got a consistent, reliable, predictable execution cadence that continuously focuses on delivering value. I'll go on just real quick. Underneath those core values and tenants, um, I want to talk a little bit about the lean edge leadership. I said I would talk, uh, mention it a little more. The leaders are going to drive and sustain the organizational change and the operational excellence by empowering the people and the team uh, to reach their highest potential. And they're going to do that by themselves learning, embracing, exhibiting, teaching, and coaching the lean agile mindset. There's two components to the lean agile mindset, the safe house of lean and the agile manifesto. The house of lean part is the, is the lean part of lean agile mindset. It's the roof, the roof of the house of lean is value. And that represents the goal of delivering, continuously delivering a quantitative objective value to the customers and to the enterprise themselves. That roof is supported by four pillars. The first is a relentless respect for the people and the culture, a relentless focus on optimizing the flow of continuous mm -hmm. delivery to continuously deliver value quickly an explicit decision to invest in innovation to, to create differentiation. And then a final one is a relentless focus on improvement, which is applying Deming circle for continuous improvement, the plan, do, check, and adjust process. The foundation of the house of lean are the leaders themselves. Mm -hmm. Everything else isn't going to happen unless they provide that foundation to enable the organization. Wow. The Agile side of the Lean Agile Mindset is the Agile Manifesto, and it's got some pretty in interesting values. First is a focus on the individuals and their interactions over compliance to process and utilization of tools. The second is a focus on working software over comprehensive documentation, and many people will push back on that. The third is customer collaboration over contract negotiation. 
So things don't always go as originally planned. We got to be able to collaborate. And the third is a realization that change is constant. So we have a process and a mindset to respond to change versus following a rigorous plan. Wow. Yeah, those are some, I mean, you know, as somebody who's been in this, in the world of software development, but always on the business side of things, you know, those are some very lofty, I guess, expectations or promises. It sounds wonderful, but have you practiced this in, in kind of the real world, in the wild? Have you seen this be a, a successful methodology in your experience? Yeah, you know, I have. I've, I've been involved in several analytics engagements where we're, we were using some agile concepts mm-hmm. um, and we were getting some really good improvement in our velocity. We were missing out a little bit on the continuous commitment to quality because we didn't have some of those disciplines built, built into them. But most recently, I spent two years inside of Honeywell. And I didn't know it at the time, but one of the uh, business units I was supporting by providing analytics services to them uh, for their cyber system solutions, they had implemented SAFE. And I had gone to their various ceremonies and, and I just walked away completely wowed that they could bring together 300 people and in two days plan out the next 12 weeks of work with a high degree of confidence and a commitment that they were going to deliver on the key product features that were were queued up for those uh, next uh, 12 weeks. Really impressive. Yeah, sounds amazing. Um, So it sounds like this is really about empowering, you know, kind of aligning the teams um, as opposed to the old way, I guess you could call it, of how um, software development or analytics projects are sort of dictated from the top down. Can you explain a little bit more about how this does actually empower the teams that are underneath the quote unquote leaders? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple couple elements. One is around changing the mindset around how you budget and fund. And in our case, let's put this in context of analytics projects, right? Um, The key is to step back and recognize that the analytics capability of an organization is really an ongoing perpetual value generation. I'll call it a value stream where you look at analytics capabilities as a set of products that you're going to build to optimize either internal performance of functional areas whether it's marketing or sales or supply chain management or logistics or, or, or customer service, or for those companies that are delivering software products to their customers and they want to differentiate those software products through analytics capabilities, outpace their comp- competition. So if you take that value stream approach, you start looking at analytics not as an organization that receives project requests. And on an annual basis, you have to have think about what kind of project we might do. And then you you set a bunch of funding expectations and milestones based on inherently uncertain. When you move to a more of a lean budget approach, first of all, you lower the funding overhead because all of those delays to get budgets approved. And then if there's a change in budget, you have to go through all the approval. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I personally, <laughs> I personally experienced, I'm sorry, um, anywhere from six to two months delayed to get an approval for a change order. absolutely critical, you know, ridiculous. Um, It also promotes a we're in this together mindset because there's a higher degree of collaboration happening across the enterprise from the business owner of the product stream down to the technicians that can provide some significant input, which of course generates a higher degree of morale because people are getting things done, not waiting for approvals. So it puts that total control of spend into the owners of the product stream and and the delivery team that work in a highly collaborative manner with those product owners. 
Wow. That's great. So yeah, you called it, so you, you called it lean budget. So I'm just wondering from the business perspective, you know, how does this affect the financial side of the project process? Like, are we talking about capital? Is it expense? What's this lean budget? Well, from a capital versus expense standpoint, that's still a financial, there's a set of governing financial law, um, regulations around what you can capitalize or not. So it doesn't really affect that. But what it does do is it, it moves away from funding projects as a basic unit work and move more towards funding an ongoing perpetual value stream where the product owner has a budget and the work is brought to the people, not the people are brought to the work. I've got a known capacity over a known horizon to get work done. And the product owner decides on a prioritization basis, which things uh, should be worked in the first quarter versus the second quarter versus the third quarter, all driving back to achieving some strategic objectives. Wow. So I guess when we, so we've talked about kind of the leaders of this and we've talked about the the doers and, you know, what about the middle managers like in an enterprise organization specifically, how do they come into play here? Yeah, that that's a good one. Um, and probably one of the first areas of organizational inertia that will start to press against the implementation of SAFE. When it, the, talking about the uh, team and technical agility part, that calls for cross-functional, self-identifying, self-managing teams that take assignments to perform work, right? Which is really kind of interesting. People, if you go back to the respect for people uh, and culture, and then one of the principles is or motivate the intrinsic value of your people. You set up safe and say, hey, I got this value stream running. Who would like to be on the agile release train that's going to execute on this value stream? So it's an invitation-based approach versus a, you'll go do that work. Mm-hmm. It allows people to focus in on their areas of expertise that they want to master. It gives them a level of empowerment because they're taking assignments. Of course, management input would always happen you know, because they have you know, a feel for what are the critical needs and where the gaps are and what. The managers lose a little bit of that authority where they're assigning people out because people are starting to self assign. And then the team self-manage. They don't need a manager to make their decisions, which goes to the decentralized decision-making principle. You move the decision down to where the information is, where the people have the knowledge to make an effective decision, as opposed to going up through a command and control approval chain, because the value stream is down where the work is being done. That's great. When you look at that from a couple, I mean, you're moving the authority to where the information is, right? And exactly. That, yeah, that's that's pretty key. And also, what you're talking about here, Mike, is really autonomy. And you know, we've we've had discussions in the past about how autonomy can be one of the highest motivators for people that work in these, you know, kind of complex business organizations. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's a great point. You know, so when I look at where the current people manager folks are are in the organization today, they have a great opportunity to. AMP their people up, uh, and AMP is an acronym. The first is helping people and embracing people to be empowered with the autonomy to collectively work as a knowledge team to make the decision. The second is, you know, going back to that, you know, explicit investment in innovation, people self-select into their area of desired expertise. And then the, the whole framework allows for two weeks where Teams can sign up for additional training to improve their mastery or can uh, contribute to hackathons or other kind of innovation generation ideas. And then the third part is when I talked about the agile leadership, the key thing for them to do is they establish that vision and then they just demonstrate the the lean agile mindset 
And it's part of that vision. There's got to be this compelling purpose of the enterprise because people that are in a more cognitive role today, they get so fired up when they're working towards a purpose that's contributing to something that makes the world better. Right. I've seen that over and over again, especially in the data science community. Yeah. And the managers can be very, very instrumental in amping the people up and coaching them. I mean, that sounds great. Sounds like it's a win-win on a lot of different levels there. So it sounds like that, it sounds like it makes a lot of good sense for these larger enterprise organizations, but do you see this working for other sized businesses as well? Um, Good question there. The scaled part of Lean Agile, or I'm sorry, the scaled Agile framework really does lend itself to being agile, but scaling it up to, to large groups of people. At the core of the scaled Agile framework is um, setting up an Agile release train that's going to work on roughly 8 to to 12 weeks to deliver an increment of the product for that value stream. It's designed for people, Agile release trains of roughly from 25 people to 125 people. So when you look at that lower end, smaller enterprises can definitely get on safe train, if you will. If you go any lower than that, the the scaled agile framework almost starts to have a little bit too much overhead. Okay. Um, But then as you grow from an organization that's running one agile release train to starting to launch additional release trains for additional value streams, that's when the scaled part of agile, the scaled agile framework kicks in. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. So for 25, 25 person teams and up, it sounds like it's, it's a sweet spot there and it just, it can grow. Yep. And like I said, I saw Honeywell executing with over 300 people. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right, let's talk a little bit more about specifically the analytics world. So, you know, at Great Data Minds, we really focus on sort of changing the conversation around data. And one of the most exciting things about the um, SAFE framework is that, you know, there's application practices that we can apply to our analytics world. Yeah, as you, you might suspect, I've been noodling on this. You know, the whole yeah. time I took the course two weeks ago, and I did get certified, by the way. Uh, oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was a big one. Um, I, I, I was constantly looking at how do I, how do I position this to be an analytics-enabling uh, approach? And where I'm leaning towards is analytics can be a program in and of itself. It supports any, any functional area of, of the enterprise, you know, delivering analytics that improve the execution and promotes the optimization of any business function, you know, to get better outcomes, right? Over the last 20 years, we've been preaching and, and teaching companies that when they build their enterprise data warehouse and their business intelligence uh, capability, it's a program. It's, it's always going to evolve and grow. It's not a project. And we kind of got it. I mean, we created organizational structures that is the business analytics group, but we're getting budgeted every year. We're executing on a series of projects and whatnot, right? And in this day and age, analytics is, and I'm talking about advanced analytics, not just business intelligence, it's table stakes today. Uh, It's an incredible capability that'll truly produce some competitive advantage and differentiation in every industry. So I see it as a great initial value stream for enterprises to to define, fund, and then execute with the simplest implementation of SAFE, which is called Essential SAFE. Mm-hmm. And then as the enterprise gets their muscle memory built up, they'll, they'll do two or three program increments. So running anywhere from six months, to maybe nine months. Then you step back because you're continuously learning uh, across the enterprise. And then you start look to launch additional value streams. 
Okay, so you said essential safe is kind of like the initial implementation of this. So like how would how would somebody get started with this? Yeah, so the first thing you start with is you you reach the tipping point. I don't know if you've read the book, right? I um, haven't. I haven't. Yeah. So there's three irrefutable phenomena impacting every enterprise right now. Digital disruption is affecting every industry across the globe. The second is there's a continuously accelerating rate of disruption as the new norm. The third is every business is a software business now. Mm -hmm. Agility isn't an option or a passing fancy anymore. It's a business imperative. So to get to that tipping point, I mean, you acknowledge some of these external factors. There's usually two reasons that exasperate the need to stop doing the things the same way we have been and expect a different outcome. The first is I got a burning platform. Sometimes there's a need for a change in a product or a service is obvious, and the company is failing to deliver, and they're losing market share, they're losing to their competition. Jobs are at stake. That, that's probably the easiest case for change. The danger's here, it's now, and it's real. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the other motivating point for the tipping point would be you have proactive leadership that has come in, and they walk in and... In the perceived absence of a burning platform, leadership looks around and they say, hey, we have to be proactive here. We got to make a stand for a better future state. We got to adopt what Toyota called a constant sense of danger. There's a never-ending sense of potential crisis that fuels the need for continuous improvement. And they embody that. And then they work with the people with with an effective vision statement so that everybody gets that. Mm -hmm. Because quite frankly, if we're being successful right now, why would we change? Well, it's because you're being successful for now, right? And then to get started. So if you can get to that tipping point with your leadership, then you work with the leadership to establish that vision that has the purpose that people are going to buy into, that has a motivational statement to get people on, on, on the train. And that drives alignment across the entire enterprise to align to the vision. And then there's several steps we take to get there is first get a good economic point of view around the value that we're going to drive by implementing SAFE as as our new way of uh, conducting business. And then you teach the leadership the fundamentals of SAFE so that they can start to teach and and embody core principles and values to the enterprise. And then there is a proven sequence of safe training and planning events that lead up to the uh, launch of the first agile release train. And that's the safe implementation roadmap. And then from there, you you launch, you do ongoing coaching and mentoring for the first three to nine months as you execute through two to three program increments. Wow. So, I mean, just, for, you know, as somebody who's new to it, it just, it, sound, it sounds like it's a lot. So you mentioned that you have a certification in this, Mike. Is this something that you can come into organizations and help people get stood up? Yeah, um, yep, yeah, yeah. I got certified as a safe uh, program consultant, mm-hmm. which gives me the ability to deliver the safe education into an enterprise and then coach the, the organization as we go through the implementation roadmap and then stay on to coach the organization through their first couple program increments. Yeah. And as part of that, that training, it's a train the trainer model. Mm-hmm. So, one of the first things we do after getting leadership safe aware is you identify three or four change agents within the organization that I'm going to teach to become a safe program consultant. And then I coach those folks. Wow. So you're teaching them to fish. 
Yeah, yep. that's great. I mean, that's one of the concepts that we always talk about at Great Data Minds is like that you know, things are moving and changing so fast. So having somebody like you come in and, and show the ropes, but then also like teach the teach the concepts as you go is a great it's a great approach. So, I mean, you know, thank you for dropping all this knowledge on us, Mike. Is there any um, kind of final points or, you know, um, you know, final thoughts you have that you'd like to share with the audience about uh, the safe framework? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, Focusing back in on you know where my passion is, which is all around analytics and and getting organizations to go beyond where they are today and, and achieve the art of the possible on an ongoing basis. Um, analytics programs, I believe, needs to be treated as an ongoing value stream, mm-hmm. um, and I think analytics is ripe for leveraging the safe framework to increase their productivity, to increase the value delivery more quickly with improved quality by an enterprise that's motivated to continuously improve because they're they're achieving a purpose that they believe in. Wow. That's some powerful stuff, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Well, thank you, Kayla.